Welcome to Technado. Welcome to Technado. I'm your host, Sophie Goodwin, as always, and happy May the 4th. The day this episode releases, it will be May the 4th. I have my lightsaber earrings on. I am fully prepared. So happy May the 4th to you if you do celebrate. Don, do you do you recognize that holiday? Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I mean we 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 enjoy Star Wars in in our house, and uh, uh, but I mean it's not not that big of a thing. And I'm more of a Star Trek person, as mm-hmm. evidenced by some of the junk on the shelves back here. But uh, but yeah, you know it's always a good time. All the Star Wars merchandise goes on sale, so instead of being extortionate amounts, it's just uh, exuberant amounts of money. I guess mm-hmm. maybe we'll go through the different ex words that I can come up with. Uh, but anyhow, uh, I do want to make a, a quick comment before we jump into the podcast today, which is last week I said that we were going to cover some of the new things that came out in RSA this week, but Mr. Daniel Lowry is out today, and I wanted to save that for when Daniel's here because he is our cybersecurity person. So we're going to cover our regular tech news, so a little different than what I promised last week, and we'll cover RSA uh, next week, hopefully, when Daniel is back. That sounds like a plan. And filling in for Daniel, since he is not here today, and he's dead to me, is Anthony Sequera. Anthony, how are you? I'm great. Third time on Technado, and you know what they say, this will be a disaster. <laughs> That's what we're counting on. Love that, that classic <laughs> phrase. You are correct. They do say that. So let's go ahead and uh, we'll jump into it. Now that we know that Don is not practicing Star Wars, but he does observe the holiday, we'll go ahead and jump into our, uh, into our tech news. This first article comes to us from CNET. It says, Microsoft is ending Windows 10 updates. Now, I'm a little confused. It says the current v- version of Windows 10 will be the last, and support for the operating system will end in 2025. Maybe I'm going crazy, but I feel like we covered this. Am I losing my mind? Did we talk about this several weeks ago? You're losing your mind. That's, yeah. So, (laughs) no, it's just really incredibly confusing. So, you know, Microsoft has done a great job of making it where nobody understands what is getting updated when. And and even in this case, they're not actually ending Windows 10 updates. So, to understand what's going on is... Every six months, Microsoft releases a major update to their OSs, and they give them a name, which indicates the year and whether it was the first half or the second half of the year that it came out. So we had 22H2, which released last October, I think. I don't remember, but oh. end, of last, end of the year last year, uh, because we know that, right? 22 is 2022, and the H2 is the second half of the year. Well, Microsoft has come out and announced that is the last major update for Windows 10. There's not going to be another major update. So they're they're saying that version of Windows 10 is the last version of Windows 10. But they are still going to be putting out security updates and fixes, patches, just no new features. Um, And it's going to continue that way all the way through October of 2025. So, you know, if you're running Windows 10, you still have two solid years, actually almost two and a half years, that you can run the OS and still get security updates. But beyond October of 2025, that's when, if you're running Windows 10, you're kind of, you're taking a risk. Remind me, Anthony, do you run, do you have a Mac or PC? Do you run Windows? I'm running a Mac, uh, but I do have Parallels installed with Windows 11 in there. Okay, yeah, gotcha. In case I need Windows for testing. Okay, yep. interesting. And I- you know what's funny about this? I looked up the 22H2. And there was no new features. That was just a bunch of stability things. So you haven't gotten new features in Windows 10 in an awfully long time. Well, and even when you did, there were things like, oh, the Notepad app has yeah, tabs yeah, now. Exactly. We put a friends icon on the taskbar. Hey, that was life-changing for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite feature, oh, actually, it was Windows 11 that added it, was the Candy Crush icon installed yeah, on your yeah, start yeah, yeah. menu. That's, that's important. <laughs> Hard-hitting features that you're going to be missing out on in Windows 10 from now on. I was talking to one of our soft skills instructors, and they said, yeah, that Windows 11 is great. I said, oh, really? Why do you think so? And they said, my start button's in the middle. Woo! <laughs> that, that, that was the feature. 
you know, I, I made a comment to somebody once about how uh, how Microsoft was kind of copying Apple on that. Apple's had the central stock uh, uh, yeah. dock for a while, uh, and they said, "No, Microsoft's not copying them. Yeah. Macs don't have a start button." <laughs> I was like, well, that's actually a good point, right? Yeah. That that centralized dock has icons for apps, but no, there's not like a menu. They don't have like a version of their interesting. So it's no. just all the apps right there along. The, see, I don't, I don't yeah. run them. I don't use a Mac regularly, so I don't. I'm not intimately familiar with the layout. Yeah. I guess it never occurred to me to check for like their equivalent of a start button, but there is. Yeah, one. they they do not have one. Huh? How are they still in business? Uh, somehow they find a way. It's crazy. Yeah. I think it's because everything just works. You never. <laughs> is it intuitive? Yeah. <laughs> it's user friendly, is it? <laughs> what I was looking for too is w- would they roll back on their you know requirement list for Windows 11? There's a lot of hardware that won't. That's run true. It, they are sticking to their guns on that one. It looks like it, they certainly seem to be. Yeah. And uh, and you've been able to limp by with Windows 10 on those systems, but it looks like October of 2025, yep. the PC industry is going to get some more sales. Now, is this coincidental that they sell laptops now? Do you think that had anything to do with these you know, hardware requirements? All right. I, I didn't grab the article because there weren't enough facts in it for me to report on yet. Yeah. But uh, there are rumors boiling around that Microsoft is working on their own processors. So, you know, Apple has the M1, M2, yeah. their, their M series processors they developed in-house which are outperforming Intel and AMD. So really embarrassing for Intel and AMD. Looks like Microsoft's going to take a stab at it. Wow. And so if Microsoft is basically forcing an upgrade out in 2025, if they can have their processors ready in that time, then this is absolutely a conspiracy. (laughs) (laughs) We saved that for the tinfoil hat segment a little bit later. I thought this was going to be a deja news thing because, like I said, I thought I remembered talking about this several weeks ago. We we probably talked about the uh, the LTSC version of uh, Windows 10 Enterprise because it'll continue on a little bit longer. So these things pop up. It it is important for us to mention them, though, especially for those of you that, that work supporting Windows systems because you got to plan for this now. Yeah, I was going to say, this is a huge deal for enterprises for the for my mom. She doesn't care. Yeah. She'll be on Windows 10 till yeah. Yeah. we <laughs> lay her to rest. Most home users, when, when they upgrade operating systems, it's just when they buy a new computer. Yeah, yeah. Dang. But okay. if, you, if you work at a university and you support 10,000 students and, or, you know, with company-issued machines or something like that, you've got to upgrade all those. Yeah. And you've now got two years to figure it out. It's just that just gave me a lovely image. It's like she'll be on Windows. Yeah, 10. I know. She's she's on her deathbed. Check her email. <laughs> she is watching opening too. Outlook. I, Mom, I love you. <laughs> You'll survive till Windows 12 at least. She's like Anthony. This Nigerian prince is telling me I <laughs> come help me with this. Well, that's interesting. I like I said, it seemed like it was I was having deja vu. So thank you for clearing that up because um, I was a little worried. I was losing my mind there. Maybe I am, but not for that reason. We'll move on. The next article that we have here comes from The Register. This is more along the lines of some stuff going on uh, in the cloud. It says, Google Cloud suffers outage in Europe amid water leak and fire. So this was in Paris, I think, um, last like middle of last week. Uh, said it was a day earlier, had reported profitability for the first time. So, <laughs> how ironic. I was going to bring that up like, when I saw the article. And then do you take that as a sign? Like, <laughs> <laughs> finally turned a profit and fire and flood. Right, it went up in flames, literally. Like, yep. hmm, maybe, okay, maybe take that as a sign. You know, I, uh, I thought this was really interesting because, first off, when you leverage the cloud, right, people think, hey, I don't, I don't have to worry about UPSs yep. and generators and yep. fire suppression and all this stuff. I just outsource it all. And Amazon or Google or Microsoft, they'll do a way better job of it than me. But it doesn't magically make these problems go away. And when this data center went down, 
I knew it was a big one because they said that this was potentially a long-term outage. Now, that, that's significant. Right. Um, but when they initially released it, Google said that it was due to water impingement or a water intrusion. They, they said both. And I was like, a water intrusion? What, like there was a flood? Aquaman? And I, and I started looking up, and there was some bad weather, but not enough for a flood. Maybe Aquaman was in there. We don't know. Uh, the Wonder Twins with yeah, the bucket yeah, yeah. of water. Uh, but then I, I started thinking about it, and I, I remembered an experience that, that I had years ago. Uh, there was a, a data center that I helped to support where I got a call one day about uh, water damage on the servers. And I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? And it turned out there were some air conditioning maintenance workers up on the roof, and they hit a sprinkler line. They broke the sprinkler line, and water was just pouring into the data center, oh. pouring right down on top of a rack full of equipment. There were probably 14 servers that were just drenched in water. Well, sure enough, Google finally updated and said this was water impingement and a fire. And so this is likely fire suppression. And that's why this is going to be a long-term outage. They got to replace hardware. Yeah. And they got so unlucky. The Paris uh, zone that it hit is one of those zones that offered just about all their features. You know, some of their zones are smaller and not as feature rich. This was a key Europe zone. That yeah. Now, I, I don't know. I, I get a little paranoid over some of these things, Anthony, so I'm, I'm curious to hear what you think on this. But a few months ago, there was the hosting company OVH, which is also based in Paris, and they had a data center fire. Now, theirs was catastrophic, like their entire yeah. data center went. Um, that's two data centers yeah, yeah, in yeah, Paris yeah, with exactly. two fires. And, and Paris is a very old city, yeah. and it's not like they have a ton of room to build. The buildings are really old. The OVH one was made up of, like, shipping containers or some madness like that. So... Uh, is it safe to deploy exactly in Paris? What is going on in Au Paris? <laughs> I mean, there are other data centers in Europe you could use. Ireland's got some yeah. really impressive ones. Yeah. The other thing about this one that I was interested in and never got the answer to was, so they they break down regions and zones, just like AWS does. And if you looked at this article, it said the, the problem started cascading over different zones. So what caused that? It just goes to show you that even though these are geographically disparate data centers, when one goes down, you know, it does have a cascading. You know, it's funny you mentioned the geography there. So uh, this is something I learned uh, not too long ago because I originally was under the impression that each availability zone was a completely separate data center. And they might be in buildings right next to each other, but they are completely separate. But the reality is those availability zones can actually be in the same building, wow. racks right next to each other. I that missed that fine print. By, by being an availability zone, it just means they don't share any common hardware. So they have a, a separate internet connection, a separate power connection, like all separate infrastructure. You just answered my question. Yeah, I bet you their zones were housed in the same place that got very wet. Yeah. Now, I mean, there, there can be many zones, and right. who knows how spread out they are. But right. if you've have you ever looked at, like, satellite footage of the... Uh, U.S. East, the Amazon Virginia. Yeah, that's a one. great idea. Yeah, if you pull, pull up, up the Google Earth, there's for the for U.S. East one, which is like their biggest region. Uh, there are there are multiple buildings, but they're all right next to each other. You know, so if there's an earthquake or a hurricane, that region goes out. So regions guarantee your separation yeah. from geography, but okay. zones not necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Not so much. Wow. Wow. What the more you know. That's I also just learned that today. So that makes two of us. And it looks like the it says like late in the article that there was a separate disruption on Wednesday with like cloud cloud load balancing services. They were having issues there as well. So yeah. Google was really just getting yeah. <laughs> they were just we turned a profit and then yeah fire and flood. Yeah. <laughs> I can just, 
I can just imagine like their sales manager runs in and like sales are on fire, yeah. and then the tech team's like, "We're on fire too." <laughs> you ever watch Arrested Development and the no. scene where he's like, "We're having a fire sale." Are you familiar with that, Anthony? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly what that reminds me of. We're having a fire <laughs> yeah. sale. Yeah. <laughs> oh, poor Google. Well, poor yeah. Google. I'm sure they'll be fine. They'll live. Yeah. But still, that's unfortunate. Yeah, they, they have. They have a little bit of financial resources. Of, yeah, how well they do on their core business, right? They, they are <laughs> yeah. just now turning a profit in GCP. That's amazing. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> and I, I guess I kind of assumed at first, I didn't think about the, um, the fact that it probably was like, you said fire suppression. I thought maybe it was like a natural disaster or something that was that, like just rainstorms or whatever. And I was like, man, what bad luck in the middle of a rainstorm and your servers are going to catch on fire or whatever. But I guess if it was fire suppression, that maybe yeah. makes more sense. Yeah. So, uh, you know, interesting. We'll go on a, a wild tangent here on fire suppression. So, uh, um, in one of the, not the first, but one of the first data centers that I worked in had a Halon system. And Halon systems are illegal now, but uh, but if you don't know what those are, basically when a fire breaks out, Halon gas would get pumped into the data center and it would just suffocate everything, right? But the Halon would not damage electronics. So your servers could actually stay on and running while the whole place was pumped full of Halon. And you could just go through with air afterwards and blow them out. You get the get all the dust would be everywhere, right? You get the stuff out of there and your servers could run without damage. But Halon, really, really toxic to human beings. And so if you had a, a, a Anthony, have you ever been in one of these data centers that has now now they do Energon and other stuff? Yeah. Um, but they, they have these oxygen masks yeah, that are yeah. on the wall. I've seen that. And so when you hear that alarm go off, you're supposed to run and, yeah. and grab one of those and get it on your face as fast as possible because you're about to get suffocated. Uh, they're really dangerous. And so there are plenty of companies that choose not to use those systems, but instead actually just do traditional water-based sprinklers and say, look, if there's a fire, uh, insurance will cover the damage. Yeah. 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 Human life is the, the priority, I guess, at that point. And if your servers are damaged, yeah. they're damaged. I wonder why those systems are illegal now. I can't imagine why. So, yeah, Halon, it was toxic. And it, I think it was bad for the environment, too. That's uh, probably so that, that was a part of it. Energon <laughs> is environmentally safe, still bad for humans. Oh, um, okay. You know, you still, you're supposed to grab that mask. And my boss always told me, like, that I would get in trouble if I grabbed the mask. I just needed to get out. Yeah. Uh, he says, if you're putting on that mask, you're making bad decisions. You're, you're planning <laughs> on staying. <laughs> the AI robots will probably bring back the Halon. They don't, you know. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. They don't That's care. true. If AI takes all the jobs, as they're, as they're saying, then, yeah, there'll be no need to yeah. bring back Halon. Interesting. Okay. Well, fire and flames over in Paris. That's unfortunate. RIP. Pray for them. But moving on, <laughs> we actually have, uh, we're going to do something a little bit different today. We've got a segment called Don't Make No Sense. What you talking about, Willis? So this article comes to us from TechSpot. It says Meta's Reality Labs lost $3.99 billion last quarter, bringing its total losses since 2020 to $30 billion. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. $30 billion. So this is specifically uh, Reality Labs. So it's sounds like a bad time for Reality Labs. That really sucks. <laughs> <for them. laughs> All right. We don't normally report on social media because it's stupid. Uh, <laughs> but well, because you know, our, our audience is... IT professionals, people have to support the stuff in the real world, and we don't have to support Twitter and Instagram and, and things of that nature. But Meta, or Facebook, has been pushing the metaverse for quite some time. And as they've pushed it, they they basically said, like, look, in the future, you may have your work meetings in the metaverse. You may have all these different things going on inside of the metaverse. And so you need to be, be ready for it. And so a lot of IT people who don't care about social media are finding themselves where they 
they have to basically learn how do I integrate this into Teams? And like Microsoft Teams is going to roll that out because my my CEO wants to have a 3D avatar to be able to interact with potential customers and, and all the crazy madness that's out there. And I wish I could say these are made up scenarios, but they're real. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so then when I saw the headline, and, and the headline was different actually when I first saw it, that it just said that Meta's Reality Labs had lost $3.9 billion. And I was like, holy crap, $3.9 billion. <laughs> But then I saw, no, it's just $3.9 billion in the first quarter of yeah. 2023. <laughs> They've lost $30 billion altogether. And have you guys seen footage of the metaverse? Have you seen what it looks like? Yeah. Not since it was first announced when he when Zuckerberg was like displaying it or whatever and was like, yeah. somebody's at the door. I had to verify it was real. And yeah. It's not a parody. I, I thought somebody I fired thought it up on SNL. It looked like a Nintendo Wii. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it's just a catastrophe. Yeah. It, it's a, a technology that nobody wanted. Yep. And the fact that they could pump $30 billion into it and it look as bad as it does and be as featureless as it is, it's just a, a, a catastrophe. But all of the AI work that's going on right now has completely sabotaged this. Yeah. And so I, I think it's safe to say at this point that the idea of a VR meeting space, at least the way that Facebook is, is uh, proposing it, is kind of gone the way of 3D televisions. Yeah. It's it's insane. I mean, the only money that division makes is through, I guess, the sale of Oculus, which is for gaming. Mm -hmm. And so that's their only revenue stream. And so they're just blowing billions in researching a, a product that no one seems to want. It's yeah. It's really a crazy thing. Mm. Now, Anthony, I remember talking to you it was probably two years ago, and you had bought a VR headset. Yep. And do you still use it? I do, but it's for one thing, and that's flight simulation. And quite honestly, it's just to show a buddy my flight simulator, because when I flight sim, I'm doing instrument-rated stuff, Okay. and so there's no VR equivalent. Oh, so, that's a good point, yeah, because yeah, you just have to read the instruments. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So, uh, but, you know, it's a neat parlor trick. That's, that's kind of how I view it, is like, it's, oh, it's neat. I, I'm sure there's, I mean, obviously there's lots of real-world application for it, I'm sure, but, like, right. for me, it's like, Oh, neat. And I do it for five minutes and then I get a headache and I want to put it down forever and ever and never touch yeah. it again. I think and Lauren would know best. One of our uh, one of our hosts here, Lauren, has been really digging deep into VR and AR. And I think AR, augmented reality, I think that's where we can get some really cool business applications. Yeah. And that, of course, for everyone is is where you're going to have glasses on, let's say, that will superimpose over your natural environment information. Yeah. A great demo I saw of this was at Splunk. So the, the tech climbs onto the roof and he opens this electrical thing. Forgive my clear ignorance on everything mechanical and electrical. But anyways, he goes in this thing and then there's this panel and he pulls out an iPad and he, he brings up the camera on the iPad. Now he's looking at that and then it superimposes over that all the Splunk metrics. Hmm. And I was like, wow, that is something really truly valuable i saw one that was similar um, but it was a repair manual and so the it was a one of those one u rack servers right the pizza box yep. and the guy opens up the pizza box and he says like you know hey i'm, I'm about to replace some memory and he had air goggles on and when he opens up the the server where the memory is it like highlights oh. here's the memory yeah and then he had to replace the banks in pairs and so it highlighted the two banks that he was yep. replacing and yep. so it like to show you just guide you yeah uh, imagine like a, a gps so in in your car you have a gps or it's on your phone but instead 
you look out and you actually see the arrows on the road. Like that's what AR can do, and that does yeah. have value. VR, I, you can't even drink a cup of coffee while you're wearing your VR goggles. Like yep. <laughs> it's yeah. just a nightmare. And a lot of friends that I have put in my VR to show them the flight sim, they immediately vomit. Will, yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> that one guy was like, get this off, get this off. I'm like, all right, dude. All right, it's not even that it makes him dizzy. It's just the poor quality of what the metaverse looks like. It makes him want to puke. <laughs> I also saw, I don't know if this was real. I bet you it was real, sadly. But someone, some uh, young lady had tried the metaverse. And sure enough, there was like harassment. Full-blown harassment, of course, going on in the metaverse. Oh, jeez. Probably would occur more than in a normal office environment mm-hmm. because That's people are hiding behind their keyboards. Absolutely you know? true. Yeah, it's like how every time there's a new AI chatbot, they somehow manage to make it like horrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they get to say all there kinds of go. horrible things. It's always going to happen. But that's, I mean, that's crazy to have almost four billion in losses during just the last just, three months. Just one quarter. In yeah. addition to the, it says fourteen billion last year, and then the total since Q4 2020 to thirty billion. That's more money than anybody has ever seen ever, I feel like, in their lives. That's insane <laughs> to lose that much. But Meta's doing fine. Meta's first quarter was great. Yeah. Sales were up 3%. We're doing great. It's just this particular division. It, it's like Google. You know, they make they make their money on their advertising. Yep. And so all these other things are icing on the cake. But $30 billion is a lot to lose. And uh, and it's not it's not like they can easily fix it. They're not giving up. They're, they're going to keep yeah. going on it. But Microsoft, who had announced all these integration plans, Microsoft laid off their entire Meta team. Like yeah. their, their metaverse team is completely gone. So that's not happening. Yeah. Um, Disney, other vendors, you know, they're starting to do the same. So I, I think I think the nail's on the coffin on this one. Yeah. Yeah. So analysts think most of these projects are going to be closed by 2025 and, and done for. So that uh, that sucks for them. Yeah. <laughs> Microsoft. Yeah. Microsoft just, uh, I think, HoloLens. Was that their big thing? Yeah. That was, that's what just it was. About it was that that team. I yeah. think they got laid off. Yeah. And that was their. That was a lot of AR stuff as yeah. well, because yeah. they had the, the military goggles. Did you hear about those? No. <laughs> so they, they did trials with the military for their AR goggles, and it went horribly. <laughs> and you know the soldiers, they they don't sugarcoat things. You right, know, right, so like yeah. they had a bad experience. Half of them vomited. Yeah, you know, yeah. just all sorts of things about problems they had. They didn't want to be in combat and their eyeballs reboot. Like, <laughs> you know, like it's not what you want to have happen. Uh, oh, yeah, man. good times. Interesting. <laughs> see, now I'm curious. I'm like looking into this, and yeah, it says they've horrible nausea and stuff. And uh, Bloomberg's gonna make me subscribe to read the rest of it. So never mind. <laughs> Have you seen the movie uh, Evolution with David Duchovny? Mm-mm. No. Uh, it's David Duchovny and Orlando Jones. Hilarious movie. But at one point, you find out where he was a I don't know a major in the army, and he had developed an anthrax vaccine. But when it was given to soldiers, it gave them like all these horrible side effects and, uh, you know, just like nausea, diarrhea, like it's, yeah, all yeah, this yeah. crazy stuff. And uh, and so they named the sickness after him. It, it, it's a very funny movie. I'm ruining this for you guys. But yeah. See, uh, Daniel's not here to to understand all the references. Daniel's definitely seen. Evolu- I, I think I probably watched Evolution with him. <laughs> I'm sure he has seen it. Yeah. I did. I tried to watch. I watched part of Terminator the other week, um, and it, it, I didn't stop watching it. Cause, like I really was enjoying it, but I had to leave. I had to leave the house, so I didn't yeah. get to finish it. So now I got to start from the beginning, so I can fully. Pr- so I'm trying. I'm trying to catch up so that I can fill in when he's not here and try to like Poor keep Sophie. up with you. Decades of films. Decades you must catch up on. I know. I know. Many of them multiple part films. I was too busy watching Shrek or whatever it was that came out when I was a kid. Fortunately, there's no current movies worth watching, so yeah, that's true. You got, you got time on your hands. I've got yeah. There's not. I, I did go and see the Mario movie, so I did go yeah. see that, and I, I enjoyed it. It was cute. Um, but yeah, other than the Mario movie, nothing worth seeing right now. So. <laughs> 
But there is some stuff worth listening to coming up. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break uh, and just collect ourselves, and I'll fill them in on all of the 80s movies I have been watching. And we will get into our security news up next on Technado. Tired of trying to schedule your team's time around in-person learning? Isn't it a bummer to spend thousands of dollars on travel for professional development? What if we said you can save money and time and still provide your team with the best training possible? The answer to your woes is live online training from ACI Learning. With live online training, we provide our top in-person courses in private, online, instructor-led formats. You get to provide professional development in a manner that fits today's expectations. Entertaining, convenient, and effective. Our exam-aligned courses inspire the full potential of your team. Visit virtual instructor-led training at ACI Learning for more info. Welcome back for more Technado. We're going to be getting into more of our security news up next. Uh, and this first article is going to be part of a segment called Tinfoil Hat. Landing was fake. Paul McCartney's been dead since 1966. Dogs can't see color. 5G causes syphilis. Do you understand that? They're putting chemicals in the water. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, this article comes to us from Tom's Hardware. It says SSD uses AI to protect your data from ransomware attacks. So uh, it's a company called SciGent Technology. Their new secure SSD Plus has an AI microprocessor that uses machine learning to stop ransomware attacks, prevent data theft, prevent encryption. Um, so lots of lots of stuff going on here, um, but so I'm not familiar with SciGen technology. This is the first that I've that I've really read an article about them. I don't know if you're maybe more familiar with them. Yeah, they've been around for a little while. They they create hardware devices that have uh, extra security features on them. Obviously, that's what they're doing right here. Um, some of it's pretty interesting. Some of it's actually pretty basic, like a USB key that has a number pad on it. So you've got to punch in a key code before the USB key will work. All right, that, that makes sense in some scenarios. <laughs> yep. If you lose the key, you know the data's safe, right? Um, but what they've announced this time is a custom SSD. And they haven't released a ton of details, but it looks like a little M2 SSD, like what you'd fit into a laptop or most modern motherboards. Uh, so a solid-state drive. But this one allegedly has special circuitry on board, and I'm, I'm, I'm making this up because they don't give us the details on it, um, but that allows it to detect when your system is being hit by ransomware. And if it sees your data being encrypted or whatever, then it knows that and can stop it. And it can stop access to the disk and, and so on. Now, when I first heard about this, and it was talking about its shields up mode, right, that it goes into protection, I initially was was skeptical. I, I kind of went into my the, the tinfoil hat mode, which is, all right, if this thing's doing machine learning, and if it's got these mechanisms to monitor data transfers, then that means on the SSD itself, it must have effectively a computer, right? Circuitry and components on that SSD that I don't have access to. Yeah. So I'm effectively bringing online a second computer inside of my computer, which always sends up a red flag for me. We, we yeah. went through this. What, what was the Intel one that was the uh, management engine? Is that what it was called? Intel, oh, yeah. Intel ME. Yeah, the yeah, management yeah, yeah. engine. So effectively a Minix yeah. A, a Minix system running in your CPU that you had no access to whatsoever, but it was always running when your computer was on and sometimes when it was off. Yeah. Well, here it sounded like the same thing on the SSD, but the more I read about it, the more it sounds like this is actually just a software application. That's what I thought too, exactly. Uh, you wonder how much of this AI that they're touting yeah. to just pick up on the popularity of AI right now. I think it's leveraging some AI, some ML, and a lot of BS. Yeah. And 
Yeah, the other thing I was wondering too, Don, about is this thing going to communicate out, right? I mean, is is all this AI going to remain on the chip and it never communicates up to the cloud, which is a traditional yeah. AI model? So here's here's the uh, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, right? And let's just say this all works exactly as they describe it. Here's what they they intend is. They have a software application that runs on Windows. So this only works on Windows. You put this SSD into a Linux yeah. box or whatever, it doesn't work. Um, so that software application is monitoring every write to your disk. So that, that's going to hurt performance. That yeah. just goes without saying. Um, but it's going to monitor it, and it's going to look for excessive encryption operations. Now, the machine learning piece is really just a model trained on what it looks like when files are being encrypted. So, you know, sequential reads on the disk or whatever it is that it's monitoring. And if it sees that, it will just flip the disk into a read-only mode. Now, there probably is actually circuitry on the, the SSD that makes it flip to read-only or... Because I don't think they could do that in software if malware was already at the kernel level. Um, but that's basically it. And the challenge here is it can't work unless it sees writes that are already being encrypted. So you're guaranteed to lose some data. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen plenty of just regular malware software or anti-malware, um, uh, like Sophos. Sophos Antivirus will do this, where it'll monitor for it and stop it. And it doesn't need special hardware for it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. I mean, do you want this level of software on that device itself? Interesting. Yeah. And and the odds of of this software being updated, so like the next version of Windows comes out, and now if you don't have an update for this software, you can't upgrade. Yep. And I imagine a lot of false positives, because yep. we yep. intentionally encrypt things. Yeah. They even mention false positives and things they're trying to do to mitigate that in the article. So that would be a huge yeah. concern. So I'm skeptical on this, but it is supposed to be available on the streets in May of 2023, which is right now. Yeah. So so this is not something they're just experimenting with. Like, it, it's for sale, uh, and it's certainly—I am skeptical of how useful this will be. Yeah, and it has to be your primary disk. Oh, yeah, yeah, your operating system has to, to yeah. run from it. Yep. Yeah. So, boy. It's interesting what you said about— it basically being software and because I was looking through some of the comments on this, just what people had to say about it. And somebody had mentioned like, well, the problem is false positives because when it happens at a software level, you know, maybe you just get an annoying pop up or whatever. But if your hardware decides something's a virus and it just decides to abort, then it just looks like a random failure. But if is that not a valid concern that this person has or is that very well something that like could happen? It, it could happen. Yeah, it can happen. Uh, you know, they claim that it has a integrated AI microprocessor that's monitoring everything, and it's got ML algorithms in it. Well, all of that is a black box to us. We don't really know what any of that means. Yeah. And so, you know, could it get a false positive? Could it stop? Like, could your computer randomly get a blue screen, and you're like, oh, what the heck happened? And what you don't realize is that some critical write operation was blocked yeah. on the SSD, but you don't know that. Uh, and so you think your computer's unstable, and it, it turns out to be this disk. Who knows? It's it's hard to say. It's I suspect we'll see more stuff like this as yeah. time goes on. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. This is is not something I'd trust in in Gen One. Yeah. And not not a whole lot of information about like performance and stuff because, like you said, this is May twenty twenty three. This is happening, so it's very soon that it'll you know be available, I guess, or that people will start maybe talking more about. If it's if it, if they actually enjoy it or if they like it, if they like yeah. the forms. I'm I'm surprised for a for a product that is releasing in the next thirty days, right? We went on the exact date, but within the next thirty days, uh, seems like we'd have more information on it than this. Yeah. So uh, that's why I'm so skeptical. 
It'd be interesting. This may be one that, that comes back if we do a, a Deja News segment. Maybe we'll talk about this again. We'll <laughs> Laptops see. catching on fire. We'll have to. Oh, God, <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> we'll have to see if this one makes a, makes a comeback appearance in future weeks. But for now, we actually do have some. We're going to take a little uh, trip down memory lane because we are going to do that segment, Deja News. Deja News. So this first one, we actually just talked about this last week. Uh, This article comes from Naked Security. It says, Google leaking 2FA secrets. Researchers advise against new account sync feature. For now. So according to um, the folks at this organization called MISC, uh, it says 2FA account details were unencrypted inside Google's HTTPS network packets, and there's no passphrase option to encrypt your upload before it leaves your device. And we just talked about this feature last week, how they were like kind of belated in, in having this be an option. And oh, finally, they did. and now they're saying, don't do it. Don't use it. Don't touch it for now, at least. Well, and that's part of why in, in last week's episode, I asked Daniel. I said, Daniel, d- does this weaken our security posture? Is this something that you would trust? And, and what did Daniel say? He said, well, yeah, it absolutely weakens your security <laughs> posture. The, the whole point of having a, a authenticator device is that it is a, a single physical item that an attacker would have to have. But if you're able to replicate it other places, it's not a single physical item anymore. Right now, it's just another password. Um, and it didn't take long. I, I figured it would take longer than this, but it was like the very next day, security researchers came out and said, oh, by the way, Google took some shortcuts, and when you back up your keys, it's just using HTTPS and sending the text, uh, the plain text private... Uh, secret keys, there we go, uh, sending those over the link to Google so Google can see your private keys, no problem. And then it relays over to the other device. And if somebody were able to pull off a man-in-the-middle attack, if somebody were to compromise your Google account, they would be able to retrieve all of the private keys that were stored in there. And I, I had brought up um, 1Password, Bitwarden, and LastPass, where they let you store your, your MFA uh, private keys in there as well. Same problem. If somebody compromises your Bitwarden account, then they'll have access to those one-time secrets. And th- there goes that security right out the window. Yeah, I, I was stunned. I mean, there, this does away with MFA or the, the major benefit of MFA goes away the minute those codes are sitting there unencrypted in Google. I couldn't even believe it. I, I get it that if your phone is stolen, that is a tremendous challenge for you with all these authentications you must do. But my goodness, there's got to be a better way to solve it than this. Yeah, and you know, you could say, look, Google's a search engine company. They're they're going to make mistakes with security, but they own Mandiant. Yeah, their Google Project Zero finds more exploits and vulnerabilities than like any other yeah. research team on the planet. Google has one of the top security teams in the world. Seems odd that they would... Yeah, and they said they're going to roll out our ability to encrypt this, but why would they not have that on the initial rollout of this? It's so strange. Well, so what what they want to do, or what they're saying they're going to roll out is end-to-end encryption, right? Right. So you encrypt the private keys or the secrets before you send them to Google. Yep. And to download them on the other side, you'd have to decode them or whatever. Actually, hang on. I I had an argument in my head there, uh, but then I... Well, no, it probably is trickier than I'm... Thinking it is, yeah. But I, I, I'm having a hard time coming up with a case because I was I was gonna say like, all right, well, if you if you have end-to-end encryption on, but you've only got one device, so it's gonna sync up an encrypted blob to Google, you lose your device. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. But you'd still be able to download that blob to a new device, punch in your key to unlock it. That's right. 
And and that's how uh, Authy does it. Yep. And I do not like Twilio. Authy is owned by Twilio, but the Authy Authenticator does that, where yeah. you have to punch in a key to unlock it, and so it is end-to-end encrypted. So it just seems odd that Google would have less security right out of the gate for a feature that took them way too long to develop yeah. to be underdeveloped like this just seems odd. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, I think you mentioned it at the end of this article, they did respond on Twitter to this and say, well, we we did intentionally release this feature without end-to-end encryption, but that's coming down the yeah. line. We'll that's that's going <laughs> to we're going to offer it with Google Authenticator down the line, but if you want to use the app offline, if you want to manage your backup strategy yourself, you'll still have that option. All right, I got to remember this. You know, we can learn from other people's PR teams so we don't have to hire one. So the next time I screw up, I'm going to I'm going to say, yeah. look, I intentionally half-assed this because <laughs> because I'm going to roll out that feature six months from now and everything will be great. Just just stay with yeah. me; it'll Set be great. The bar low. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't realize so it was that easy. Remember that for our classes. This was yeah. just a beta. Set the as, expectations really low. Yeah. As long as you say it's intentional. This wasn't an accident. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We didn't make a mistake. This is intentional. We didn't. <laughs> you're the one that doesn't know what you're talking about. That's we right. did this on purpose. So this uh, is, embarrassing. <laughs> For Google, yeah, especially. Especially considering, like, when we talked about it last week, how it was like, it seemed like it was very much, finally, it took them long enough to, to get around to doing this. And now it's like, well, never mind. Maybe maybe don't don't use this feature just yet. We know you were all excited because now it's an option, but maybe hold off until they well, intentionally roll out that end-to-end encryption later on. Intentionally, of course. Just, just know that if you did use Google Authenticator Sync feature, in theory, employees at Google could potentially have access to your secrets. Um, or any attacker that breaches their system where those codes are stored. Yes. Yeah. So just be aware of that risk. If you've got an enemy or an X or something that works at Google, then, you know, just be prepared. They might have access to your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All actually... my X's work at Google. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, so like I said, that was we did just talked about that last week. This next article, though, we're continuing with this uh, Dejan News segment. This actually refers back to something that happened almost a year ago. So this article comes from Ars Technica. It says Apple uses iOS and macOS rapid security response feature for the first time. But this was announced almost a year ago, this particular feature. And now it's just recently finally been included in an update. So going further back into, into news that we've talked about before. Yeah, last year we we talked about this feature, rapid security response, and the idea was it was a special channel between Apple's deployment servers at Apple HQ or wherever their data centers are, and Macs all over the world, and iOS devices, so iPads, iPhones, the whole whole shebang. And the idea was that if there was a an egregious security vulnerability, a zero day that was out there, Apple could immediately release a patch and deploy it to machines without having to wait for the next update cycle or, or whatever. You know, most Macs are set, I believe, by default to check in once a day for updates, but that means it might be 24 hours before you get a critical patch. Rapid security response was designed to fix that. So we talked about it back then, and I remember having the conversation with Daniel about how, um, you know, is this something you trust? Uh, you know, how do you feel about it? And Daniel said, because he's, he's a big Linux guy, uh, but he, he runs a Mac, and he said... He didn't like the fact that he had a computer that he owned running an operating system that he owned, but that a vendor that he's never met off in a whole different state, different country, who knows, could push software changes and push actual software down to his machine without any kind of interaction whatsoever. No, 
confirm yes or no, no uh, chance to, to pawn it off, just it's going to push out and install. Uh, he had some real, real concerns around that. Uh, and I suspect people at Apple did too, because they hadn't used the feature until now. And the way they've done it has really raised a lot of questions. So they pushed out an update. And uh, I honestly wouldn't have known it had happened because it's it's supposed to be invisible to us unless you know the the uh, the announcements had gone out. Well, basically, what they did is on an, on an iOS device, if you're running sixteen point four point one, that's the latest version of the iOS, the rapid response update pushed out, and then it would show sixteen point four point one a. Now, I'm running sixteen point four point one on my phone. I don't have an a. Yeah. I didn't get the rapid response. Yeah, and no option to hmm. install it, right? You said your phone shows nothing. My phone shows nothing. Yeah. So, and I, I haven't turned that feature off. So I don't know how it selected which ones it goes to or which ones it didn't. But we had several like video editing Macs here in the building that have rebooted unexpectedly. Yep. That may well be tied to this. I think so. It's gotta be. Uh, yeah. What I did when I read the article, Don, I, I went right to my uh, M1, you know, MacBook Pro, and I went into the updates, and sure enough, there it was waiting. And now my my Mac was set to automatically install security-related updates. And it looked kind of funny because sitting below, optionally to be installed, was a security update. I had to press a button to make it happen, and my machine did reboot yeah. without prompting me. So, you know, it, it, it does raise a few questions. I, I would say at a minimum it means they're... they're uh, Rapid security response doesn't work very well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, Seems to be inconsistent across their devices for sure. But with all that in mind, here's the part that concerns me the most. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a quiz, Anthony. Uh, what exploit did it patch? Oh, yeah. I have no idea. We have no idea. Yeah, no idea what it did. And you know, Apple has not released any information on yeah. what it did. It just yeah. it did something. My Mac's faster, and it, it, it could be slower for all. Yeah, we I have no know. idea. In fact, <laughs> in most security update situations, it will be slower. Yeah. So um, we, we're just at Apple's mercy. Yeah. And in a couple of days, maybe they'll deign to do a release that that tells us what they fixed, and and then we'll know about it. But as it stands right now, if you have an Apple device, a change has been made to it and you don't know what it is and it was just authorized so it, it's a brave new world that we live in uh, maybe this should have been tinfoil hat uh, <laughs> but you just don't know yeah because it does say it, it, it it's unclear whether they're ever going to release more information about whether specific things were patched i'm curious now if if this is something that i ended up getting because would it have been like automatic you have an ancient phone though okay Yours, it's mean, not terribly old her screen is literally a stone it's tablet <laughs> it's like chiseled on i have the the gorilla glass screen protector or whatever and the glass is no longer gorilla-ing so yeah it's not it's not working the way that it used to um because of this user error it's user I error but i wonder during the podcast i wonder if <laughs> gosh where would it be okay it's gonna take forever to check for it but i'm just okay no I'm still 1641. Oh, but I have 21 new emojis. That's no, my so it, the next. So it's offering install 1641. So you're you're not even on. I'm not even on that yet. Yeah, not so even you're on, on my. Don't feel bad. Nobody. <laughs> yeah. I will be installing it after the show. So don't oh. don't try to hack me or anything. There you go. I will be getting that update. But I don't have the A afterwards. So it's not this. Whatever this is, it's not this. So I got left out. You got left out. Yeah. Well, I was on 16.1 and I did not get the A. It's offering to install it now, but yeah. you know, just weird how it rolled out. The the thing though is at the time, I didn't I didn't know if Daniel's argument had a whole lot of merit and since he's not here I can say this. I think he was actually right. <laughs> <laughs> he won't watch this he's been episode. Right a couple okay. of times in this episode he missed. Yeah. Yeah. 
Nobody tell him. Yeah, right. we can only admit this stuff when Daniel's not here. But but yeah, you know these operating system vendors are trying trying to stay ahead of the curve. They're trying to get these updates out as fast as possible, which I can appreciate. But man, it's it's an uncertain time. There's just so much, so much like of 1984 is coming true, and people yeah. pushing updates like this it just makes you feel weird. Yeah. And it really made me think a little bit about Windows because, you know, there's Patch Tuesday. We're getting those patches every Tuesday. I mean, this is a more Windows thing. Uh, that's probably not what Mac users want to hear. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least with, with Patch Tuesday, you knew when it was. It was yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, this one, you don't know when it is, how to get it. Yeah. What if it fixes. It. You have no idea what it even fixes or if it yeah. fixes anything. And I'm going to check those uh, machines we had that rebooted here. Because we'll just see what version of the OS they're running. If there's an A in parentheses, we'll know that was yeah. the reboot. I know we had uh, one laptop and one iMac yeah. desktop yeah. So uh, that, that rebooted unexpectedly. Whew. I yeah. wonder if I, I, may, I may never get the option to because maybe it is that my phone's too old. It's what, five, six years old at this point? So maybe it is too old. I don't know. Well, it, it's offering, so you won't get the A update yeah. unless you've already got 16.4.1 installed. Right. Okay. So that, that's why you were passed over probably. Oh, I would, okay. I would guess. That's why they passed over my door. That's why they excluded me from the 16.41A <laughs> club. Right. I see how it is. Okay, so I just need to go in and update my stuff. <laughs> I get bullied. Anyway. <laughs> Updates are for chumps. <laughs> <laughs> so before we take off here, I do want to mention Technado sponsored by ACI Learning, the people behind IT Pro. So if you're listening from the Technado website, you can look for that sponsored by button and click that to go to the IT Pro website. If you want to support the podcast, check out those courses. You can use the promo code TECHNATO30 for a discount on an IT Pro membership. Uh, and you can also check out ACI Learning's webinars and some of their live on social events. Uh, even if you miss them live, they do live on YouTube, so you can always check them out there later. Our next webinar, I believe, is two weeks from now or two weeks from the day this is released. It'll be May 18th, and that'll be with Daniel, who's not here and, as I said, is dead to me. Uh, and a guest, uh, guest Naomi Buckwalter and myself. And the week after that, we'll have another webinar with Jerry Osier of Simply Cyber, and I'll be hosting that with him. So got a couple of great webinars coming up later this month. It's going to be a lot of fun. We might even have an additional one that's even later in the month. I guess I'll find out when Surprise. I... Surprise. Yeah, I'll have to go ask some questions and figure that out. Uh, and then RSA, of course, was last week as well. We talked a little bit about that, and you mentioned we may talk more about that next week when Daniel's back um, because he's our security yeah. extraordinaire. Yeah. Co- a couple of companies had some really good announcements, and uh, obviously AI is being pushed into a ton of things. So we want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, XDR, I think, was the buzzword of the the event. So yeah, we'll, we'll cover all that next week. Okay, yeah, and it sounds like Wes was out there, and he he had a great time and had nothing but good things to say. So maybe we'll maybe I'll check with him and see if I can't get a report from him on how he enjoyed the conference or how he enjoyed that. There you go. So I think that's pretty much all I got. Am I forgetting anything, guys? Anthony, did you enjoy your third time? I loved time it. I missed seeing Daniel today in the office, but I love filling yeah. in for him here. We need to do like SNL. Remember, do you ever see that skit with uh, uh, Steve Martin where he's the Five Timers Club and they get the velvet smoking jacket? And <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> love a good smoking jacket. We'll see if we can if we can get with wardrobe about that yes. for you. We'll get you one of those. I'm glad you glad you enjoyed your stay here on Technic. Yes, it was great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for filling in for Daniel. And thank you, of course, for joining us for this episode. We'll see you next week.